Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Why Is That Podcast. In 1939, the film Gone with the Wind premiered, and in it, Clark Gable played Rhett Butler and spoke the immortal words, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It, of course, meant that he very strongly did not care. In 2005, the American Film Institute voted it the number one movie line of all time. The phrase, I don't give a damn, had entered into the English lexicon long before the movie and is still a pretty popular phrase today. But where did it all come from? Why is it that we say, I don't give a damn? Well, here on today's episode of the Why Is That podcast, I am very glad that you asked. There are two or three generally accepted theories in regards to the origins of the phrase, I don't give a damn. They are all fairly plausible and may have actually contributed to one another. Before we get into them, though, let us discuss the word damn. Most of you have probably been taught that the word damn is a curse word and that you should probably not use it in polite company. Beyond the original meaning, curse words are often used as an enhancer for what you are saying for the reason that the taboo quality of a curse word makes the use of it more powerful. That is why saying, I don't give a damn, feels much more powerful than saying, I don't care, even though they largely mean the same thing. Although, in the almost 80 years since Gone with the Wind premiered, damn has kind of lost its quality as a curse word. To compensate, we have substituted the word damn for harsher curse words to make the phrase even more powerful. From my research, it does seem that damn was the first curse word to be used this way, though. Our origin theories use different definitions for the word damn. For the first theory, the word damn first came into use in the English language in the second half of the 13th century from the old French word dampen, and it came to French from the Latin word damner. It approximately means to condemn, often used in a religious sense as damning someone to hell, which would mean condemning or sending to a terrible afterlife in what we call hell. Shortly after damn entered the English lexicon, in the 1300s the phrase not worth a bean or not worth a hill of beans came into common usage. It was even used by the poet and writer Geoffrey Chaucer, who is widely considered as the father of English literature. If you are unfamiliar with the name Geoffrey Chaucer, then he is the man who wrote the Canterbury Tales, among others. A fictionalized version of Chaucer also appears in the Heath Ledger-led A Knight's Tale, which I think is a great movie, but perhaps it does not do justice to Geoffrey Chaucer. Throughout the next few hundred years, the phrase grew to include other worthless items. Examples include not worth a fig, not worth a straw, not worth a cent, not worth a plug nickel, and finally, not worth a damn. Typically, the phrase not worth a damn is attributed as being first used in the early 1800s. It meant that whatever you were selling was not even worth a curse word. And of course, a curse word had very little to no value. It is then believed that through natural use, the phrase not worth a damn eventually transformed into I don't give a damn. As in, I would not even give you a curse word for that. An alternate explanation is that the phrase not worth a damn actually referred to a tinker's dam. A tinker's dam was a one-time use item for a plumber. After the one-time use, it was thrown away as it was useless. As such, saying that something is not worth a tinker's dam would be saying it is not even worth something that I would throw away. 
There are disagreements about whether someone heard someone say not worth a damn and confused it for the curse word and thus the first explanation occurred, or if the second developed naturally but then was overtaken by the more taboo option of being able to swear. Either way, eventually the not worth a tinker's dam fell out of use and was totally replaced by not worth a dam. Whether or not people started saying not worth a dam first cannot be accurately known. The other explanation for I don't give a dam is somewhat similar in scope but grew out of use completely differently. As we are all aware, the British Empire was enormous and had a hand in pretty much everything. In the year 1600, a British joint stock company that specialized in trading was founded. It was named the East India Company, though it commonly went by the East India Trading Company. The company first gained a foothold in India in the year 1612. From there, British India would only grow. From 1612 to 1757, it was mostly just a foothold. But in 1757, the company started expanding their rule. Over the next hundred years, the East India Trading Company continued to expand their control, but in 1858, the British Crown officially took colonial rule over the area and started to directly rule the area through various presidents and provinces. The British Raj lasted from 1858 to 1947. As you might expect, the period of British rule in India saw a lot of contact between British officers and the people of India. In these contacts, the two groups of people regularly traded with one another, from large items to very small personal items. If you have ever personally walked through a main city, you have probably been offered various items at widely different prices. Oftentimes, you know, bartering takes place. A person might hold out a hand-stitched shirt and ask for $10. You reply with, I'll give you 5 They accept and you exchange the $5 for the shirt and you go about your way. Well, same type of thing happened in British India. Throughout British rule, the rupee was the currency of India. Similarly to how the United States and Canada, we have a dollar as our standard currency, and then from there we have our subdivisions of the dollar. A quarter is a quarter of a dollar, a dime is one-tenth, a nickel is one-twentieth, and a penny is one-one-hundredth. Well, same thing in India. The rupee was the standard currency, an athani was half a rupee, a chawani was a quarter of a rupee, and so on and so forth until we got to the smallest denomination, which was called the Damari. It was worth one 256th of a rupee. So if all of our dollars and cents were worth the same, a Damari would not even have been worth half of a penny. And let's be honest, if you're walking down the street and you saw a penny on the ground, would you even stoop to pick it up? Probably not, unless you believe that pennies are lucky. They're basically worthless. Well, compared to the pound sterling used by the British, the rupee had a terrible exchange rate and was not worth that much by itself. So you can imagine how a British officer felt about the lowly damari. It was more annoying to have a damari in your pocket than it was worth. When discussing a damari, it was common to abbreviate the word and instead refer to the coin as a dam. So British citizens would walk through the streets in India and would barter for different items with the locals. Not every item was of high quality, or sometimes the Indian local would start the bartering process at a price that the British found too high. It became common for the British citizen to reply to these occurrences that they would not even pay the smallest denomination of the rupee for the worthless junk the person was peddling. In other words, they would not give a damn for that worthless junk. So an exchange might go like this. Would you like to buy this hand-stitched shirt? Only 20 rupees. I wouldn't give a damn for that shirt. Eventually, this usage transformed into I don't give a damn because you would not give a damn for that shirt. 
In fact, Clark Gable would not even have paid a damn to know where Scarlet was going or what she would do. So in a way, the phrase has the same growth pattern as before, just a different beginning. Start with something worthless, a damari, a curse word, or a tinker's dam, and then turn it into a phrase that states that you would not give this worthless thing for whatever it was that was offered. Pretty effective, pretty good play on words. So I've given you three potential origins for the phrase, I don't give a damn. So which is it? In my opinion, it's a combination of all three. Different sectors of society started using the different phrases, and then as they intersected, they never asked where the person had gotten the phrase, and instead just assumed that the other person was using it the same way as they were. Slowly but surely, I don't give a damn, entered into normal usage. The curse word explanation is the one that has gained the status as the most widely accepted by the average person, but that is because it's easier to explain, so it persists. No one wants the confusing version that is all three explanations and that the three origins work together to give us an excellent saying, along with the English world's greatest movie line. But hey, it's probably all three. Alright, that does it for today's episode. I hope you not only give a damn, but give a whole rupee about what we talked about today. Either way, I have now given my two cents on the matter. Today's episode sources include Dictionary.com, TheFreeDictionary.com, Encyclopedia Britannica, and my university professor, Donald Gustafson. That brings our episode on I Don't Give a Damn to an end. Our next episode will be dedicated to Law Day and the 2018 theme of Separation of Powers. Please make sure to subscribe using your preferred method of consuming this podcast, whether that be the visual medium on YouTube or the audio medium on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Google Play, or any of the other various podcast applications. If you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to comment on the episode, send me an email at whyisthatpod at gmail.com, tweet me at whyisthatpod, or join the show's Facebook group and let us all know. Thank you all for listening, and have a great couple of weeks. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Why Is That? I'm your host, Travis, and we are signing off. Cheers.